Your top stories on Blitz this hour. We bring you the latest from the Australian Open. Another exciting match there awaits in the Premier League. The Proteas go down in PE as England takes series lead. Windies remain unbeaten in the Under-19 Cricket World Cup. And the Blitz box ready for Australasian leg of the series. Despite final day heroics from Keshav Maharaj, England wrapped up a victory by an innings and 53 runs at St. George's, taking an unassailable lead in their four-match series against South Africa. But we caught up with our commentators to get their take of the standouts from Port Elizabeth. Defining moment for me, definitely the partnership between Ollie Pope and Ben Stokes. Uh, South Africa, it was slow going, tough surface on day one. They got four wickets, I think it was 140 for four. All of a sudden, those two came together. They built a little partnership. The second new ball came, they increased the scoring rate, and the next day they were pretty lethal. The most confident batting display was Ollie Pope, and congratulations to him on his first Test hundred. Cricket becomes a different game when you when you do that, so it's a, it's a big thing for him. He also didn't make the mistake of hitting too square. He was driving through mid-on region and also going through the straight mid-wicket region, which is really important as well. So he wasn't giving a sniff and allowing more flow of the bat. I think Ollie Pope is a, is a wonderful um, study of work to watch um, and he's just terrific. I really like him. I think he's, he gets my prize. I think final test, Vernon Philander, conditions are exactly what he requires. In fact, I remember a time um, on England's previous tour where he didn't play. I don't think he or Stain played um, in that test match against England and it was in the first innings, a case where the pitch was doing quite a bit and England might have been five down for not a whole lot and I think Root got a hundred. And many of us remarked then that if Vernon Philander and or uh, Dale Stane were playing in that test match, it would have turned out differently. So it's him I expect to do well. It's a pitch that has some bounce, had some, has some lateral movement if prepared so. And so he should be able to exploit that. Jonas Beck, wow, if England have these three guys I'm going to tell you about, Wood, Archer, Broad, man is going to be fire in boring. Boring will be banning with these three from England point of view. And then Root will never have any worry. Man will make South Africa really, really wonder what happened. It's going to be fire and fire and more fire in the ball ring. It's do or die for the Proteas at Wanderers. With England 2-1 up in the series, South Africa will have to find success in the fourth and final test to salvage a draw. Catch day one live on your World of Champions. The Windies were looking to go 2-0 in Group B when they faced England at the Under-19 World Cup. Inserts it into bat. The men in maroon who began life in Kimberley with a victory over Australia posted 267 for 7. Kamani Melius and Leonardo Julian put on 47 for the first wicket before Melius went for 24. The Windies struggled during the middle overs and lost four batsmen for just 53 runs. Kevlin Anderson and Neem Young led the fight back with a superb century partnership. The former knocked an unbeaten 86 while Young contributed 66 from 41 deliveries. 
in Charlesworth and Jordan Cox got England's chase underway. Cox was the first to fall and done by spinner Ashmead Ned before Charlesworth was sent packing by Matthew Patrick for 36. Jack Haynes and Tom Clark kept the scoreboard ticking with a 50 partnership. Ned applying a pressure with the ball trapped Clark in front for 38. Young then doubled up to put England in an uncertain position at 131 for the loss of five. England never recovered as Young continued to fire on all cylinders. He returned figures of five for 45. With England on 184 for nine and staring down the barrel, rain intervened. The Windies claimed a 71-run victory on the Duckworth-Lewis method. India are next up at the ICC Under-19 World Cup. They confront Japan. The match will be broadcast on Supersport. After a lengthy break, the seventh series resumes this weekend. The third leg takes place in New Zealand, where the Blitzbox have prevailed before in 2002 and 2017. Yeah, I think great to be back um, in, a, in a tournament mode and um, not, a, not a long time uh, that we had a break over December and New Year's but I think all the guys are happy to be back on the field and happy to be back in, in tournament mode and um, yeah, it's great to be in Hamilton and I think um, we've done all our preparations back in, in Stellenbosch and happy with how it went. Um, also had our, our challenges um, with one or two injuries, um, Shakes that got injured and Kurt also that got a bit of a niggle that we decided to leave at home but um, overall happy with uh, how it's going and um, I think still still got time this week to tweak one or two things and uh, hopefully we can go um, into that tournament, into that first game and, and build a foundation for the rest of the tournament. The main goal for the year is Tokyo 2020. But for the Blitzbox, the immediate challenges demand all their focus. 62 tournament veterans, Cecil Africa, and another former World Player of the Year in Vanakok have added much experience to this week's squad. Yeah, I think definitely the, the team that we selected is, is close to, to what we planned. A, a different year with the Olympics at the end of the season, and I think important for us to more or less manage the guys through the season to make sure that we can finish strong in the, in the World Series, but also be ready for the for the Olympics in July. So um, I'm happy with the guys that we selected. Like you said, Shakespeare probably would have been in the side and Katie as well. But um, um, outside of that, I think uh, a pretty strong side and great to have guys like Werner and Cecil and even a guy like Melo Duplessis and Branko de Prier, Stedman Gans, that, uh, that's coming back in the, into the team and um, keen to see how they go over the weekend. The Bloodsbox face Japan, England and Kenya in a demanding Pool B. Rugby Sevens resumes in Hamilton. Kenya and South Africa, who are in the same pool, will be determined to get their campaigns off to the best possible start. England head coach Eddie Jones said his 34-man squad has the potential to be the best in the world as preparations continued for this year's Six Nations. Jones made it clear that the current position with London club Saracens does not bring any concern to his team as they look to go one better than last year's edition after finishing second behind champions Wales. I think it's a, a nice balanced squad um, and it's got the potential to be the best team in the world, which we want to be. Um, yeah, we set out four years ago to be the best team in the world. We missed out by the World Cup final, um, came second, which was disappointing. 
Um, but we've got another opportunity to become the best team in the world. And we also want to be the greatest team that the game of rugby's ever seen. You know, we want to set ourselves high. We want to really see how we can extend ourselves. That's why we've brought in a number of young players to see how far this team can go. There will be no Billy Vilipola for the Red Roses after he suffered a broken arm in Saracens' Champions Cup victory over Racing 92 on Sunday and was not included in the squad. Sarri's Ben Earl, Northampton Saints, Alex Moon and Bath Wall Stewart are just some of the eight uncapped players to join Jones' side, whilst Jack Knoll, Dan Cole and Joe Cock and a singer miss out through injury. England are set to travel to Murrayfield for their second fixture and will not return to Twickenham until the 23rd of February when they take on Andy Farrell's Island. The opening round of the Six Nations is set for an exciting start. Wales clashing with Italy before Ireland and Scotland face off. The big one though will be between France and England. Four-time Tour de France champion Chris Froome has revealed he feels he can target a fifth yellow jersey in 2020. The Kenyan-born Brits' season was derailed last year after a serious crash during the Criterium de Dauphine last June and has now only returned to proper training with his team in Yoss. I'm just incredibly fortunate to be back on the bike again and for, for everything to be working, working correctly. And um, I'm fully conscious that these, these next few months are going to be pretty tough it's going to be a lot of hard work and i've got a lot of uh, a lot of ground to make up and to get back to where i was but um i've had amazing support to this point which is which has got me here and now i can really just get stuck into stuck into the training and and really get the get the miles in on the bike to to try and build up that strength again Froome's four victories came between 2013 and 2017 as he looks to join an exclusive club of only four riders to have won the Tour de France five times, Jacques Anquetil, Eddie Merckx, Bernard Hino, and Miguel Indurain. I mean, the, 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 only, the only date, the only appointment I've set myself is, is the Tour de France. Um, and until then, every week, I'm just going to keep chipping away, keep, keep trying to make the, the most of every every camp, every, every race building up to, to July uh, and hope that come, come that start line in Nice um, in July, I'll, I'll be, be ready to go. Defending champion Egan Bernal and Garen Thomas, the 2018 winner, will spearhead the team at this year's tour and Froome has set lofty ambitions to be the third prong in his team's bid to win the title for an eighth time in nine years. I mean, the, the prospect of going for a fifth yellow jersey is it's just massive for me. I mean, it's it's such a motivation. But on top of that, now obviously coming back from this injury, it's it's just a, it's just even more reason for me to to try and get back there. Um, yeah, I mean, there, there are no guarantees in sport, no guarantees that I'll I'll be back uh, to to challenge for it. But I'm I'm going to give it absolutely everything I've got. After a grueling 12 stages where riders and drivers covered over 7,500 kilometers between Jeddah and Qadiyah in Saudi Arabia, we wave goodbye to the 42nd Dakar rally that entertained all from the get-go. Spaniard Carlos Sainz put behind the disappointment of finishing 13th in last year's edition as he powered to a third Dakar title and first with Mini. 
Sainz bagged four wins to see him lead on the general classification standings and despite Nasser Alatia breathing down his neck towards the back end of the race, the 57-year-old finished just over six minutes ahead of the Toyota Gazoo driver. The defending Dakar champion managed to reel in Sainz after the ninth stage, sitting just 24 seconds behind the Spanish driver. However, Alatia's race took a turn for the worse during the 10th. Navigational problems led to the Qatari sitting 18 minutes behind the race leader. There was a happy ending for Alatia as he won the final stage to end the rally in second spot, ahead of Mr. Dakar himself, Stefan Peter Hansel. Two-time Formula 1 champion Fernando Alonso impressed in his first Dakar rally outing, recording a second-place finish in the eighth stage. However, the grueling nature of the Dakar pushed Alonso down the general classification standings after rolling during the tenth stage. A 13th-place finish in his first time out was enough for Alonso to hint at a return to the desert in 2021. South Africa's Janil de Villiers always seems to be within touching distance of replicating his 2009 race where he won the Dakar. 2020 was kinder for the Toyota Gazoo driver as he managed to place fifth, four places better than last year. De Villiers claimed first place in stage two and third spot in the 10th stage. In the bike category, the Dakar community mourned the death of Portuguese rider Paulo Gonçalves after the Hero Motorsports rider crashed during Stage 7, with Stage 8 called off for bikers due to the accident. Meanwhile, Honda rider Ricky Brabeck became the first American to win the Dakar rally as the 28-year-old rose to prominence after having to retire from the last three rallies. Brabeck ended KTM's 18-year dominance and won Honda's first title since the 1989 Dakar Rally, making the win even sweeter. The 2020 Dakar Rally was filled with ups and downs. It was one to remember as it kick-started a new decade for the desert race.